Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Fiction. Science fiction. Horror. Fantasy. Crime. LGBT. Thriller. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improved jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now entered the house of mystery. With your hosts, Eric Shapiro, David North Martino, John Copenhaver, and our word. Heard on 106.5 FM Los Angeles. 102.3 FM Riverside. And 1050 AM Palm Springs. Welcome back into the house of mystery. I'm Al Warren, Mr. Michael Hawley, Mr. Grandpa Hawley. <laughs> that is correct. Hi, Al. I am the new grandpa. <laughs> Your grand granddaddy. Yeah, I, I said I prefer the Mr. Howell uh, approach, and I'm grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you. Boy, you'll be great-grandfather soon, too. It won't be long. I know, and I'm only 24. Yeah, yeah, you keep telling yourself that. <laughs> you had that same disease that William Hopper had. Your hair turned gray real young. Well, I started counting backwards at 40, so I thought that would be the best thing to do. Yeah. You'll be younger than the grandkids soon. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, well. Today we have got an author that is from Australia, down under. So, And I know he's got a book that just came out April 30th called Dark Streets. It's an Australian crime thriller. And it's Sergeant Natalie Campbell, Thriller Book One. So, Philip Strang, thank you for being here. My pleasure. Nice speaking with you. Good to speak to you. Philip, so you've got quite the uh, history here. I, was, I, I didn't realize, but you've uh, written a lot of books. Um, have you been like a, how do I say, have you been like an author your whole life type thing? Is, have you always known you'd be doing this? Not at all. Not at all. I, I, I was basically sort of almost forced into it by my wife and daughter who who said after many, many years of traveling to some weird and wonderful and some crazy places that I should sit down and write about my experiences. Well, my experiences are not are certainly not crime and the police. I, I have no knowledge of personal knowledge of either of those. So I initially wrote about places I'd been and characters I'd met and situations that had occurred. But but then I got into crime thrillers. Um, but but the, that's only, I think that's eight years ago I started writing. Was there something that gave you confidence to be able to do that? But, you know, um, because to come from something else and just to, to do writing and to decide to publish it and go for it, like what you've done in the last, looks like eight years, is incredible. So was there... Something that gave you that kind of... I think I always had the confidence that I could do it, primarily because I'd done many other things in my life and been, you know, and uh, I, I just, I, I had the confidence. I mean, certainly eight years ago, I didn't have a, a, a clue about formatting or the font to use or whatever, but I knew that I could write a story and, uh, and I believe I can write entertaining stories. Not not great literary works. I I'd like to think they were great literary works, but they're entertaining and they draw people in. So I I never had the I never had qualms about my ability to do it. No, I mean I I don't think there's any more I can say. No, I I, ne I never. If, if if you're going to take on something, you just have to feel ultimate confidence that you can do it. Basically, 
Right, right. Well, what what what's makes a good book for you, Button? So when you're putting together a book or even reading a book, is it is it the story, the characters? Like what what is it that keeps you interested? I think it has to be the story and the characters, uh, and whatever keeps me turning the page. I mean, I've re- I, I've read. Oh, sorry, I, uh, you know, you you start reading a book and you read a book by a well-known author and you read a chapter or two and say oh no I, 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 I don't go with this and uh, you put it to one side and another book will draw you on and you just need to make sure that you can keep people turning those pages. You started though with uh, maybe your locations right because you've traveled so much and you had so much to see so you kind of started your book with where you've traveled or did you decide oh, that's going to just be my backdrop and then I'm just going to go for some of the characters, the people that you've seen? Well, I mean, initially, because uh, as we mentioned before, and I suppose we can mention it here, uh, for about 16-odd years I was involved in building, I'll say it for cellular phone networks around the world. People in Australia would say mobile phone networks. So I was involved with building the infrastructure, So, um, which people may or may not know, it is very expansive. There's a lot of infrastructure in any cell phone network. And uh, so I'd spent a year in Jamaica, for instance, which is, is one of the more idyllic locations, one would agree. And then in 2000, in late 2002, October 2002, I found myself in Afghanistan with a private company, and we were building the first mobile cellular phone network in Afghanistan. So, obviously, if you go to a place like that, you meet a lot of people, you see a lot of things, and because I was interested in the history, I mean, it's people wouldn't understand how stunningly beautiful the country is. And it's strange because people don't necessarily understand, but the Afghanis have a wonderful sense of humor. I mean, for us who were there, we never had any trouble. That was October 2002. I wouldn't say it necessarily say it the same today, but in October 2002, it was very good. I mean, it's it was rugged. And then after that, I had three years in Pakistan, but I had my wife with me in Pakistan, and we had a great time. Hard to imagine that that, that I can say that because people would assume, a lot of people would assume you can't go there. It's too difficult difficult to go there. It's too dangerous to go there. No, you needed to. Uh, you needed to. You sort of somehow acquire a sense of where you are and what you're doing, and, and, and you handle the situation. And then, then a lot of time spent in Africa, a lot of Africa, many, many countries in Africa. So uh, you meet a lot of people, and they tend to get weaved into the stories, although after the first two or three books, I felt I'd exhausted those countries. Then I started on, on crime thrillers, primarily based in England, and this is the first one I've written in Australia. So you're so, it's kind of like Africa. You're like Alan Quartermain and all these stories. <laughs> yes, I, I saw a lot of Africa, a, a lot of Africa. I, I was in uh, Liberia in 2004, just after Charles Taylor was kicked out of the place. It was a bit rugged there, but yet again, immensely interesting. Not interesting to everyone, but I mean, I, I think I'd classify my as an adventurer who handled those situations and could deal with those situations. So now your your new book here, the uh, Dark Streets, and you say it's um, Australian crime, and your I guess your main character in it would be uh, Sergeant Natalie Campbell. 
How did you come up with that character? Is there someone you drew that off of, or is that just something all imagination for you? I think probably imagination on that. I mean, when I start a book, I, I decided after I'd written, I, I think I wrote two series. I've, I've written two series so far based in England, one in London, and the other series is based in Salisbury, uh, which is a market town to the west of London. Most people know it because it's close to Stonehenge. I think the lead character in the Salisbury novels in part is based on me. The London series, he's a, he's a black Jamaican who's was born in England and grown up in England who's a detective, chief inspector. I mean, strangely, he's based on someone I knew who I met in Senegal. And he was a Senegalese, but uh, but he'd been American educated. I, he doesn't know he's the characters based on him. But in in the Sydney book, I don't think I've based those on anyone really. I uh, I think I just wrote, and the characters evolved. Well, how, how do you experience your character then? Like when you say you just develop them. So, like in in Natalie Campbell, for instance, the sergeant. Do you hear that the voice of Natalie? Do you do you see her? Like how? How does that happen? How does this whole situation go on? Oh yes, once I'm once I'm involved in the book, I I start to see the people and I start to hear the people. Yes, very much so. And then that must make it difficult in the sense of because um, you you start to see them and and create this this character and hear them and all that. How do you how do you decide how they're going to behave? But as the story progresses, or do they sort of take over? I think they take over. They take over. I, I mean, once I, I find it hard to do it these days. It was easier in the early days. But eventually, if you're writing, you start to get in the zone uh, and, and then you become part of that world. I mean, the, the, the real world around you tends to move into the background and, and you become part of the story and the story evolves. I I certainly had no idea that the sergeant would take a preeminent position over the inspector, uh, a male inspector. I didn't know that. But as I started writing, it, it tended to move in that direction. Uh, it tended, although Sydney was a, a little different writing in Sydney because I live in Sydney. I mean, I know S Sydney better than I know London. So I knew the areas and I, I, I think certain people wove themselves into it. But I can't think particularly which people so your antagonists uh, do you have different kind of uh, killers or uh, is there a particular type of killer that you like and um, serial killers or how uh, or all the above invariably in all of my books there will be more than one murder there will invariably be one murder murderer who committed several murders or there may be two murderers but I don't set off with any preconceived direction or plan as to how the book will evolve. I, I basically sit down and I start the book, sometimes with a vague idea of uh, the first chapter, sometimes with no idea. And I basically just start writing away and then it starts to lead in a particular direction. That's interesting because when, like, when Al, you know, he'll ask questions like some authors they have everything down pat, everything written down, organized, and barely switch and change. It looks like you kind of flow with it. Yes, I mean, there's, there's, there's two ways you can do it. You, uh, th those who plot, 
extensively, and, and that's fine, and there's others. There's that terrible word they, they say for people who just wing it as they, as, as they start writing of pantsers, which is a terrible word, really. But anyway, uh, I think I, I'm certainly the latter. I, I just start. But once I start to get into it and I, I start to form characters, I'll just put bullet points at the end of where my writing is, names, unresolved issues, and so on. And I'll, I'll write from front to back. I will not chop and change around. And I find that at the end, apart from the editing and the gra grammar to fix up, there's rarely any continuity issues. And that's through, like, if you have a trilogy or if you have the same protagonist throughout, you you remember uh, is, uh, situations and also history within that world, so you don't kind of mess it up. <laughs> no, I tend not to remember it in as much detail as I should, and I, I tend not to note. I, I notice I notice that when I write a, a second book in a particular series, and I only notice this in editing, that, that certain character names start to pop up in the, in the next book, and certain phrases and certain situations which I don't want, so I, I mean, I, I, I do extensive editing. But I think what's, what's important is to get words on the page. If you get words, enough words down, then the editing process will resolve any of those issues. And, and so when you're writing bad characters, the villain, the killer, uh, in, in, in the book, is it the same sort of experience as when you're writing um, the good characters or the people that are you know, the good people, so to speak, in the book. Do you have the same sort of interaction with your bad characters? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I never, I don't think too deeply uh, about it when I'm writing. I'm, I'm writing and they evolve. They tend to be, the good people tend to be different in character uh, as much as the bad people. I'm not sure that's a totally satisfactory answer. I'm, I'm trying to think of a better answer to that. Well, do you have any, any, any sort of, um, let's say, do you have any, um, uh, let's say, negative feelings toward writing a bad Do you have any problems writing a bad character? Not at all. Not at all. No, I, I have no issues. I, I mean, when I'm writing, I, I don't, if there's a murder, I don't get into the, the gory detail, the blood oozing or any of that. I mean, I, I sort of say there's a murder and what happened, but I don't get involved into too much elaborate detail. And I, I certainly don't use any bad language in the book. I might, I might infer bad language, but I certainly don't use bad language in the in the book. I suppose that's a personal preference because, personally, for myself, I don't use bad language so or or slang or whatever. But um, no, I have no issues writing about the bad people. I mean, I've I travelled a lot. I met a lot of good people. I met I met more than my fair share of rogues and villains as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> rogues and villains always pretend, always make a point of telling you how honest and decent and honourable they are. Well, I'm, I'm afraid if you've travelled enough into these parts of the world, you know who's good and who's bad. Uh, I've met a few, so I, I have no, I have no trouble writing about them. What do you think about the violence you write? Like you say, so you don't get into the gore, so it's not necessarily a real. There's not a real violent streak to the book or anything it just sort of, you sort of know things are happening but you don't get into it is that kind of what you mean well i mean if someone's strung up and gets some bad treatment i'll, I'll mention it but i won't i i, I won't elaborate so, some authors i've read some well-known authors 
get into it so deep that I I don't need to read it. Basically, I I read to be if people are picking up one of my books, they're picking it up to to read an entertaining thriller. They want to be entertained. They don't want uh, they don't necessarily want all the gore thrown in. Yeah, yeah. Do you, so when you it's just an entertainment thriller. Do you ever have sort of a meaning or some subtext that you hope readers will take away from a book? I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't. I don't see any philosophical side to, to what I'm writing. I mean, I've certainly, I've certainly read a great deal over the years, and I've, I, I've read most of the ancient Greek classics, and I've, I've read mo- a lot of the Russian and uh, War and Peace and those sort of books. They have some meaning to them, but um, I, I'd like to write the sort of books that you're inferring with some sort of deeper message. I, my writing hasn't evolved to that stage at this point in time. Yeah, well, I just notice sometimes when you're writing, um, sometimes a, a a subtext will come out of it organically without an intention, like you never put an intention to, you know, this is right and this is wrong or anything like that. But sometimes it just comes out with the story, you know, how it resolves. That's That's kind of what I was meaning probably more than you sitting down going, oh, you know, I, I have this point to make. No, I think uh, I think that what what I, I I sit down I sit down with a lead characters. Now now I intend to write some more in in following on with Sergeant Nat, Natalie Campbell and her inspector moving forward. That they will evolve, their lifestyles will evolve. I'll talk about their personal side of it, but there will be a different set of of, of other characters. Who will come into it? In fact, I'm halfway through another book set in Sydney, uh, which I hope to finish in another month or so. Yeah, if some meaning comes out of it, I I I, I don't think there's any necessary meaning at the end of it. Crime crime doesn't pay or anything like that. And I'm certainly not necessarily trying to portray the criminals as in- invariably awful and wrong and so on. I'm not, I'm not sure that I I'm not sure that I'm doing that. So now in in this new series in the new book, what what do you think the biggest difference? Like why change the setting to Sydney? I mean, you live there, but you've also done previous settings in in the UK there. So was there a particular reason you went to Sydney? I I, I felt that there was a need to write another series. I mean, nobody knows me in Sydney because because my books are primarily sold in America and UK, more UK than America. But I think that's more a case of how much money I put into promotion, really. I mean, America is a, a, a much bigger market than the UK, so you proportionally have to put more money into to make some impact in America. So I thought I'd, I'd, I was actually interested to see what reaction I might have in Australia by writing about Australia and would it impact on my overseas sales as well now I believe it's not impacted on my sales overseas and Australia is I mean the the old adage adage when anyone ever talks about advertising books in Australia they always say well you might as well just advertise in Florida because it's the same population I mean we've only got 24 million people here it's a relatively small market now I thought I'd be interested to see how my books would go if I wrote a book about Australia. And it's a different, it's a different environment of Sydney compared to, to London or, or, or Salisbury, where, which I mentioned before. 
I mean, if if you've been to Sydney, I, I don't know if you've been to Sydney, but I mean, it's it's open by the harbour and it's sunny and so on. It's got a different feel, the city, to being in London. I know that. Right, right. Yeah, that's rainy and dark and dirty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, we've got a place in London and we always think, oh, maybe we should just go and live in London for a while. But every time we think about it, <laughs> we think about the rain. No, no, here, 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 here it's, yeah. <laughs> well, we get rain here, but I mean, it, the, the, the temperature's mild. Even now it's fairly cold. It's, it's, I mean, you can go swimming every day of the year in Sydney if you want. Now you're going into uh, wintertime while uh, we're going into the summer, right? Yes. Uh, I, I did check because it got down to five degrees centigrade last night, which is about 42 Fahrenheit. And during the day, it'll be up around 65. It might get colder than that, but it won't get a lot colder than that. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, quite a bit nicer. I mean, if, if I talk about being cold in Sydney, I mean, that's relative to some parts of America and Canada. No, it's, I'm in Buffalo where we get four and a half feet of snow. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't seen snow for a long, long time. <laughs> Just look at my Facebook page. You'll see a lot of it. <laughs> well, there's a lot of snow in Australia, surprisingly. Oh, that's um, good. Snowy mountains. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a pretty big country, you know. Um, oh, yes. Well, it's, it's really interesting. Do you know how many books? So you just, you're just like going by, as they say, the seat of your pants. So you don't really have uh, an idea of how many books you're going to write. For instance, in this new series, like when you've got Natalie Campbell, it's just in your mind, do you have kind of a plan of writing five or six books, or is it just completely as it goes? Well, my initial thought was that I should get three out fairly quickly because that, if people buy the first one, they're likely to buy the second and the third. So at the present moment, I've only got one, whereas um, in my English series, I think one, one series has got 10 and the other's got 17. So I think there's no limit to how many books I can write uh, in a particular series, it depends how the how the how how the characters evolve. I, I I believe my Salisbury series with Inspector Tremaine there, for instance, even in book one, he he was suffering with ill health and he was getting on in years. He was in his late fifties. He was drinking too much and smoking too much. And he, was, I th I think I got to ten in the series and I felt I can't. I can't keep writing about him. I think he's basically, he's basically reached the end of his road, end of the road. So I, I, I can't see how I can write any more in that series. But uh, initially, I, I need to get three out in Sydney because because people will read the second and third book. If you're on Amazon, you'll get read through and so on. I, I need to do that. That's my initial thought. How long? How long is it taking you to write one of them now? Longer than it used to. Uh, longer than it used to. My my problem is not writer's block. I think uh, I think you do get mental exhaustion if you write a lot. And uh, when I when I started writing all those years ago in two thousand and five, the words just poured out of me. I was sitting there. I was writing ten, twelve thousand words a day. It just poured out of me. But for me now to sit down and write two to three thousand words, it doesn't come as easy as it came before. I can do it. So I'm trying to write two thousand words a day. So if you if you work on that, probably six weeks should get the the the, the basic 
writing down. Wow. So do you, how, what's your process then? Are you, do you sit down Monday to Friday, nine to five type thing and write? You can just sort of plan your writing time or do you have to be in a certain mindset or mood? Um, what's your process like? The, the trouble is if you wait for the, the mindset and the mood and the ideal circumstances, it's easy for it not to come. Uh, I, tr- I try to sit down every day, but I, I find that there are distractions. There's always distractions, and somehow you have to get around those distractions. But if you're going to try and write 2,000 words, you have to write 2,000 words a day, and you have to sit down there, and you have to work through it. If you wait for that ultimate day when everything comes into play, and this is it, I'm going to write, you've missed so much time. And I, I found that uh, sitting down and writing 2,000 words, eventually as you write, the, the, you'll get into the writing. And obviously during the editing process, you'll resolve any issues anyway. So during the COVID seasons, uh, you know, the, the how, did that help you out? Or? I found that distracting. I didn't find that helped at all. <laughs> <laughs> I found that uh, that was a strange situation. I mean, I certainly had no issue having to stay at home. That doesn't matter. I mean, we, I mean, you can't see it from where you are, but I'm I'm looking out. I got a beautiful view of the Harbour Bridge and the Opera House outside my window. So, <laughs> oh, sweet. So we're great for the Christmas fireworks, which you the New Year's fireworks see there from our balcony. But um, uh, I found COVID a little distracting. I mean, initially with what was happening with COVID, distracted. Uh, I, I, I believe I lost momentum during COVID. Yeah, so I think uh, you know, talking to writers, some have said that some totally shut down or did not very well in uh, the COVID and all that sort of things, and then others, some of them did extra well. They just they really did a good writing process through the whole thing. So you just never know, you know, how things are going to affect you. Um, yeah, do you just spend a lot of time um, researching any of this stuff? No, no, no. I, 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 I did when I was first writing books on Afghanistan and those sort of places. Uh, a lot of research. Uh, initially, when I started writing crime thrillers, I, I did because I decided I was going to write crime thrillers. I, I, I made sure to, to, to read all the main writers of crime thrillers to read some of their books just to get a flavour for it. Uh, and, and, and then, then if you want to know about, uh, the investigative process, if you want to know about the law, if you want to know, uh, you just get on, uh, you just get on Google and just Google whatever you need to know. Uh, I mean, if you want to see true crime scene investigations in progress, if you want to watch an autopsy, which is pretty gruesome and grim, go on the line. You'll, you'll find it. Everything is online. If you want to know the legal process, Go online. You can find whatever you want to do online. And of course, if you and if you want to, if you're if you're uh, writing about particular London or Salisbury or Sydney, and you want to say that if you want to get a person from one point to another, you go on Google Street View and you can walk it out as if you were there. I've done that as well. Yeah. Now, but one one advantage you have is you have such a wealth of experience. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I I think that. Uh, uh, the, the, those experiences of my travels, they certainly open the mind. They broaden the mind. So have you ever had, let's say, you maybe you understood how uh, Afghans lived and thought. Have you ever brought a character like that into, let's say, Sydney, and then how that would have been an experience and written like that? 
where you kind of mix culture in a way? I think that I've, I'm, I'm trying to weave it in more, more so. Uh, I, I find that I tend to end up with Anglo-Saxon characters. But, I mean, the majority, I mean, Sydney's very cosmopolitan. Uh, the, the same as London is cosmopolitan. And so I, I, I try to bring those people in. I don't want to get too too uptight about ethnic differences and so on. I mean, uh, people are people, good and bad. <laughs> I mean, the, these factors don't don't come into it as far as I'm concerned. I mean, my my lead chief inspector in London is he, is he, from Jamaica. So, uh, but yes, I, I I believe they should be brought into it more so. Have you had uh, another experience I had is? My editor is uh, more up-to-date on kind of cultural things, and so while I'm trying to write the word prostitute, she kind of switches it into sex worker. <laughs> so it's like she's just keeping an eye on me, making sure that I'm up-to-date. Uh, do you have editors do the same? Well, I have a proofreader in uh, London, uh, but, but no, she doesn't do that. Uh, and, and, I mean, those issues you talk about in the editing process and changing the words and so on, I... We don't have that in Australia, quite frankly. I mean, we don't have any of those. Uh, the excesses that we that, that we currently see around the world have not impacted on Sydney. We, 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 we have none of that. We have none of that tension over here. I mean, I suppose it's here to some extent, but uh, you're not really aware of it here. So I've not. So if I'm writing, yes, my uh, proofreader in England will will correct me on, on certain words that maybe I shouldn't shouldn't use but not very strongly uh, um, she certainly picks up on some words that i use which are which are australian and wouldn't be in context in england oh yeah right what so what do you uh, give for advice for someone let's say someone just wants to be a writer like you what would you tell them to do i think it's basically if you want to, to write just just write i mean write and and put words down on the page get ideas down move it forward i, I mean I, I suggest reading reading books in the genre that you're interested in writing about just pick the good ones don't don't uh, necessarily just pick a few of the better name writers and um, just read them and then sit down and write if you if you want to write don't worry too much about the formatting concern yourself to write with the best grammar that you can make sure your spelling is correct but the editing process will should pick most of that up I mean, it's strange after so many books. I could, I feel I could almost proofread a book myself now. I've picked up so much over the years. Do you like the um, publishing world the way it is, I guess, with Amazon and stuff? Do you self-publish all of your books or some of them, or do you go through publishers? Um, what, what's your process? Well, initially, uh, I did look to go through a publisher, but, I mean, these were the early days of writing, and I suspect my writing wasn't up to the standard required anyway. And and I got a nice, you know, I got a few nice letters back. Thank you very much, but no. Um, right. Now, now I've just been self-publishing. I, I've been exclusive with Amazon up until recent time. I'm considering on, on going wide, although Amazon is still 90% of the market. Yeah. I have sold the audio rights to 20 of my books to an American company, a reputable American company, which is progressively uh, making them into audio books. But it's it's strange because they're doing a great job. They paid me for them, of course, so, so it, was, it was all nicely negotiated. But uh, it's strange. I, I, I tried to listen to the one based in Salisbury with Inspector Tremaine. 
I could have, I found it difficult because I know how Inspector Tremaine sounds. Oh yeah. And the guy on, on the narration didn't sound like Inspector Tremaine. He sounded good, but he's not the Inspector Tremaine in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's kind of an issue with it, right? With audio. But I mean, I'm glad they took the, they're making the audio books because, uh, I, I could have done it myself and organized someone to do it, but it's a, it's a, it's a very exhausting program in, in terms of time, I can imagine, to do that. I did it once, and it took all summer. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it, you really, it's kind of even like writing. It's a very, very rewarding. Uh, and then my publisher actually took it from me. <laughs> so, but, I mean, in a good way. But, uh, yeah, it, it's a time-consuming thing. Yeah, I, I really don't want to do that. I mean, in an ideal sense, the, the problem I have is because I have a technical background, I can do book covers. I can do fo- formatting. I can do Photoshop. I can do the marketing. I really don't want to do any of those. Uh, I'd rather just write. And I- I've tried to find people to-, to do all of those. And, I mean, my criteria, if I went to – I've tried this. I- I've gone to people who said they're Facebook experts or th- or they're this or that. I said, okay, show me where your input will get a, a result over and above what I'm doing, and over and above what you're going to cost me. And invariably, they just come back with the cliched words, but no no genuine proof. That's an interesting, yeah. Um, so now, do you have a website and you have social media that you like to interact with readers on, or how do people find Philip? Well, I, I have a website, uh, philipstrang.com. And I also have Facebook. Now, I, I tend, I, I, I sort of interact a little bit on Facebook, but not, not as much as I should. Or, or just trying to find it now. Uh, uh, yeah, Philip Strang Writer, it's called, on Facebook. Great. Now, we'll have, we'll put both those up on our website. Um, so what's up next? You've got a, you got book two of this coming out and, or you're finishing it. What else you got planned this year? Well, I, I, I've got to about 40,000 uh, words on the second uh, book in Sydney. I found this a couple of times on books that I, I get halfway through the book and basically all the characters are in place, the murders have been committed, and basically the second half of the book is just taking what, what you've got and then just slowly working through the characters and the evidence, trying to work to a conclusion. And I found I was sort of stuck, uh, I sort of got stuck a little bit on that. So I, I started on another book based in London with DCI Cook. And uh, yet again, I just started writing, not quite sure where that one was headed. After about two paragraphs or so, I, I basically, I basically just seemed to go down, down, down like a rabbit's hole there. And basically I had a murder. It had a twist to it. Uh, and, and and I've written about 10,000 words on that. So I will get back into the Sydney one in about a week or two, I imagine. Finish that off, get a, a, go through the editing process, and I do a lot of self-editing myself, a lot. I probably go through the book countless times before I'm satisfied. I'll send it to the proofreader. It'll come back. Then I'll send it off to an advanced reader group. Some come up, will come back and say, well, great. And others will give me a, a lot of detail remarkable amount of detail which which i'm pleased of for and and then i'll just carry on and finish the other one in london and probably get around to doing the third one in uh in uh after that i try to release a book every three months i don't always make it 
but I'd like I try to release every three months because uh, if you're on Amazon, for instance, Amazon has this cliff that if you publish a book for the first month, it's regarded as a new release and it gets a leg up. The second month is sort of dropping off and the third month it's on its own. And you just need to keep feeding new book up, new books up to it. The most sales I ever had was when I first started crime thrillers and I started to get into it and I was able to write like crazy. I wish I could do it now, but I can't. I wrote a book a month for 10 months. It's staggering. I can't, I can't even think how I did it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible to think about it because I just basically switched off from the world and I did it. And then if you keep feeding a book up every month, you can move a lot of numbers on Amazon because you're feeding fresh product. So the easiest way to sell lots of books is to write a book a month. But, of course, easy is – well, it's not really easy, is it? <laughs> well. Fantastic. Okay, so now we'll have um, your information up, and of course the new book is called Dark Streets, and it's an Australian crime thriller, and our guest is the author of that book and many more. Look him up. It's Philip Strain. Thank you for being here. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks very much. Nice speaking with you. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, all shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This is here production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back. You've been listening to the House of Mystery radio show. To find out more about our guests, hosts, or shows, go to www.houseofmystery.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Yeah. Good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.